0: Welcome to the Underground Sessions. This week, or no, wait, what do you do? This is always Dylan's thing. Yeah. Welcome like, to the Underground Sessions. I'm
1: trying to get them to step out of their comfort zone yeah. a little bit. Well, you can. That's the beauty about editing, right? Yeah. Is this live right now, or is this going? Oh, we're streaming straight, 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 to, the straight to the internet. Yeah. Right.
2: Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll just if it sucks, I'll redo it in my bedroom and cut it out. out. <laughs> I wasn't nervous <laughs> until now. <laughs> now I am.
0: <laughs> All right, referral this time. Ready? Welcome to the Underground Sessions. My name is Christian. I'm here with my illustrious co-host, Dylan.
2: Hey, what's up? And Mike.
3: Oh, I love the uh, switcheroo here for the announcement.
2: I know, it's kind of weird, isn't it? It's kind of throwing me off. Yeah, so <laughs> it's, a, anyway. it's a little bit, like, offset, I think. You know, like, it's just not right. Oh, I was
0: just going to ask you for a segue.
2: Yeah, <laughs> that's what I that's do. great. Great segue.
0: Yeah, offset. That's the key word. Uh, Mike, why... What, what does Offset mean to you?
2: <laughs> offset? Oh, man. Jazz Masters. Yes. Jazz Masters. That's, really, that's what everyone thinks about, right?
0: I If not, they're going to after this episode. Why is that, Christian? Because we are joined by Shelby Pollard from Black
1: Bobbin. Hello. It is me. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just say a word about Offset real fast? That's a funny story. Let's go for it. Yes. So the whole world, our world thinks about offsets and thinks about jazz masters and Jaguars and cause we're gear nerds or whatever. Yeah. Um, one time I was in the presence of Tom Verlaine from television and I walked up to him and I said, uh, do you still play offsets? And he said, what's that? He's like one of the biggest jazz master players of all time. And he <laughs> just was like, what, did, what words are you saying to me? so that's where we're starting from a place of humility over here okay just like just remember that some some of these things aren't as important to others as they are to us He's just like well he's just was like what what are you talking about run it again we got to start from the top here guys well no (laughs) i didn't i didn't
0: never understood the word offset until you got your jazz master like i never explored the world of offsets yeah so this is very new to me well great we can walk you through all of it. Which is why if uh, Shelby can convince me by the end of this episode, I will trade in a guitar for a jazz master tomorrow.
1: Yeah. You heard it right here, folks. Yep. So basically we have turnaround. Yeah. The,
2: the Jazz Master Messiah here. I'm the new disciple trying to. Bring more con- disciples. Yeah, I'm here to recruit. I'm really grateful for
1: you. Thank yeah. you so much. That's
2: why we're sitting on this one side yes. of the table. Dylan's very on the green, other but he'll get there. Yeah. It's great. I'm learning. This is you not know, a cult at all. It's not at all. <laughs> What are the uh Shelby did offer you Kool-Aid when we came in though didn't he No I said
1: water <laughs> <laughs> But why was it red? I yeah, said water <laughs> <laughs> He did just call me the messiah so <laughs> <laughs> I learned a couple tricks Yeah he knows all You <laughs> can't <just> fool him <laughs> well, Looks like water now but it's gonna be Kool-Aid later <laughs> <laughs> Maybe wine Who knows
0: Alright we're off the rails already yeah, let's, let's get back on track Shelby What's uh what's your musical history? Like what got you into music? Let's let's go way back.
1: Um, well, I started playing guitar when I was thirteen or fourteen. Like I feel like a lot of people that's the sweet spot, the sweet age. When you just like don't care about failing, you know? Mm-hmm. Like it's so hard to get into playing a musical instrument when you're an adult because like you just think you should be good. But when you're a teenager you just don't care. Like you'll do the same skate trick over and over and over again. You'll do this, you know, you'll just keep trying to play Damn It by Blink-182 until your parents are like, can you please get some headphones? (laughs) And basically the story was is that I had a, my grandmother had purchased me a Harmony, not the cool reissue Harmonies now, or even the super cool vintage ones, but a Harmony from the Sears catalog for Christmas with a matching amplifier that I still own that I had circled really big. And it sat underneath my um, my bed for about a year. And then I picked it up and uh, literally just, like, played Blink-182 songs until my parents were like, you have to go outside. Whereas <laughs> <laughs> my stepdad says, until I actually, like, like one day they were just like, oh, my God, he's playing it. <laughs> like, yeah. He did it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He actually did it. Like, fast forward some time, uh, and then, it, like, oh, holy shit, that actually sounds like a musical song. Yeah. yeah. So... It's
0: funny you bring that up. Damn it, was the first uh, Bleak Radio 2 song I learned.
1: Listen, everybody has the same entry points. Yeah, you know, like it's it's that, and then like like from there, it went to, it went naturally to like blues and like Jimi Hendrix and Stevie Ray Vaughan, and then like BB King, and then like just kind of morphed out from there, and it's just as constantly still morphing out from those those spots, you know, like, and there was a there was a Washington Post article couple years back that was talking about how the guitar is dead and um, at the time I was working at a prominent local music establishment and I just thought that was so ironic because every experience I had was just 13 year old kids still coming in and playing Jimi Hendrix and playing Clapton you know like it they just it's still always the same entry point there's something about that thing and I don't really know what it is but you know, I started there um, when I was young and tried to take lessons for a while, which just never really stuck. I was never patient enough to, like, mm-hmm. sit down and then learn how to play something note for note. Like It just always bored me. I right. just, like, kind of got the essence of it. And, like, okay, and, like, I'm kind of doing it. Now I'll it. mess with it yeah, and, yeah, and like, do it how like, I want to do of, it. I'm yeah, kind of playing... You know, Purple Haze. Like, I'm I'm pretty, I'm Purple Haze adjacent, you know?
2: It would take a couple seconds, but someone would recognize it.
1: (laughs) I got most of the notes in there. It's, the form is there. It's like, it's like not being able to see without your glasses, you know? you're just like, okay, sure, there's a person there, but. Who is that? Who is that person? You know? It's
2: kind of how I felt learning, like, Stevie Ray Vaughan songs, because he fits so many notes into, like, such a small place. I'm like, I got, like, six of. Eleven, you know, yeah. like we're good. Close I'm gonna enough. keep moving on. Yeah, the
1: song is still going, right? Like, but I feel like that unwillingness to, like, just labor at recreating what was on the page or what was on already re- recorded, really helped me later in life just explore what I sound like. You know, I think mm-hmm. that so many people get caught up in the guitar world. You know, guitar hero, machismo. This is what this person played, uh, or this, this in, is what this person did. You know, like, did. you look at, like, the guitar and the major guitar magazines, and, like, they j- it just feels like they cycle. Like, it's just, like, whoever's on the cover... Yeah. You know, they just never grow out of this, like, very male-dominated mm-hmm. guitar Olympic thrashing, you know, and it's just kind of boring to me, um, because I just never, like, I never saw that as, like, uh, that impressive. I, I always, like like, B.B. King was way more impressive to me than Stevie Ray Vaughan. Because yeah. it was, like, about the note, you know? Like, it's mm-hmm. about... The, the phrasing, the, the way he the, played. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's about the voice of it than just, like, this sheer head-cutting, Yeah, you know, like...
2: And there's a place for both, but I, I agree with that. Like, I can see where you're coming from in the sense of, like, B.B. King, it was just, like, you hung on every single thing it, he played. You would it was walk. someone whispering to you. Yeah, exactly. You know? He was telling a story the whole time he right. played. It was... I remember, yeah, like, the first time I heard, uh, like, The Thrill is Gone, I was just like, this is nuts. Yeah. Like, it's Otis Redding, but a guitar, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I, my, one of my earlier concerts in life was I got to see B.B. King um, in Peoria. I don't oh, even know the, nice. name, the name of the arena or whatever, but I was, like, 15. A friend had to drive me. You know, it was, like, mm-hmm. the first time, like, a friend drove me to a concert and I just sat there just like beaming the whole time you know it's just like yeah. it was one of the most magical experiences to just like um, to like just see this thing happen in front of you um, because I, I don't know about you guys, but I, I used to go to borders a lot in high school. Mm-hmm. And just, I don't know if I don't know how old you guys are. I might be dating myself. I vaguely remember it. But you could scan CDs and just, like, listen. You just, like, would go through the CD section, and you could just scan the CD and just listen to the CD. Really? Test it or whatever. And go through the whole record. So I just spent hours at Borders, like, because this was pre-Spotify, you know, and yeah, the, the yeah, streaming yeah. stuff. So you just, like, go, and I would just, like, scan stuff until I would find something that I liked, you know? And that's kind of how things just... Went from from there, so you
0: went full force from the beginning.
1: Oh yeah, my my stepdad was a DJ in um, college, so it was music has always been a huge part of my life. Um, but I remember in in junior high, like listening to Rage Against the Machine and The Smiths and just the Police, like just tons of stuff that he liked. Mm-hmm. I grew up on stuff like that too. So, and then I, I'm like I love jazz and standards and. Uh, you know, Frank Sinatra to me was like so amazing because it's kind of the same yeah. thing as B.B. B. King. It's like, again, it's just like this, this intimacy, this, this deliverant, the delivery of, of, uh, of, a, of a performance 100%, much more yeah. than like, uh, I don't know. I don't know if that makes sense. No, it totally does. Yeah. Like, well, there's yeah, you put them up against like a Michael
3: Buble. It's like a different.
1: Yeah, 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 like, yeah. You know? Yeah,
3: yeah. Yeah, Sinatra had like the special like sauce to like kind of like have his own. There's voice a gravity it. to yeah, it. Yeah, and exactly. And then some people like copy it, and it's just kind of like a copy paste. Yeah, you know, and you're like, oh, it's you know, eighty percent there. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a
1: so,
2: it's a squire jazz master. Yeah. Oh, no, no,
1: no, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. We can we'll talk. We'll get there, but we'll get there. We'll get quite, there. It's not quite the same. It's a little bit. It's a little different because there is something really important about like. Following the path that people have laid out in front of you, mm-hmm. you know, um, but also, again, I think that so many people just get really hung up on trying to recreate or be or emulate, you know, this thing that's come before them instead of um, finding what their voice is. And the thing is, is like regardless, like their voice is there, right? Like, yeah, like their version of pride and joy still is not Stevie, no matter how good you get. You're still not that, right? Yeah. You're still not going to do it. You're still doing it your way. Um, so I, I don't know. I think that because of some laziness early on, <laughs> an unwillingness to like really learn note for note how to play certain things, it it caused me to just kind of go, I got the general idea now, like how do I do this? Well, I feel like that's how
2: a lot of us like figured out how we play is – you know, you almost learn a lot of different things and I'm, you know, the kind of guy who dives deep into everything, right? So music, I'm I'm listening to, you know, Miles Davis and I'm listening to Metallica and I'm listening to Shaky Graves and, and just all taking in all of these different things and trying to emulate parts of them but never doing it perfectly and then somewhere in the middle, I sound like I play the guitar, yeah. you know? like For
1: sure. Yeah, I mean... My kind of blue is my favorite record of all time, and and it it's unbelievable. And it's just it be like time and time and time again, because it's just it's one of the only records I can think of that I sit down. There's one of two, uh, the folk singer by Muddy Waters, uh, which is Muddy and Buddy Guy, and um, it was recorded at right here at Chess Studios. Yeah, um, but both of those, you just you feel like you're there. Mm-hmm. You feel like like everything is a whisper, and you could hear a pin drop, and like you are in the presence. Still,
2: absolutely, you know, hundred um, percent,
1: and that that kind of dynamic um, exploration is really important. And I think again is missed when you're you're just trying to to play as fast and as loud as you can. Mm-hmm. But it's also awesome to play as fast and as loud as you can. Yeah, you know, so yeah, it's, yeah. Like, yeah. it's a different kind of fun. No, yeah. it's just like it's just knowing what uh resources you should be inspired by at what time like where to pull from to be mm-hmm. creative and what's the right what's the right thing to use what's the right tool to use at the right moment
3: yeah i mean there's everything in moderation too with like yeah. anything you know and I, i'm a i'm like the big thrash metal and i like that kind of stuff as well and you know you listen to some of these documentaries of these like really big bands and they're like like you know we're thrash metal but there's like a a, a like a time frame where it's like it's too fast, <laughs> and you're like that sounds stupid for a thrash metal band. But it's like the groove has to fit in this pocket. Yeah, if you're too fast, it just sounds horrible. Yeah, too slow, it's not thrash. Yeah. so there's like this even in like speed metal, there's a too fast.
1: Yeah, I'm not. I'm definitely not <laughs> trying to discredit like the musicianship that comes. Yeah, up, that comes I was just saying it's just kind of the same thing. Sure. Like
3: there's always this like, you know, there's a balance between anything.
1: Yeah. 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 Because if not, if you step outside of the confines of whatever that is, then it's not that anymore. Yeah. Right. Like, um, in making records, like we always, uh, anytime I've like been a part of a creative process, you always have to set like some constraint, you know, like one rule, right? Like we made a record where we tracked all of the bass instrumentation. So drums, um, guitar, bass, like all of it was live. And then we did vocals over, but the rule was we were it was all digital, but we were pretending it was like cut to tape. So if you made a mistake, we had to punch in and finish the song out. Which is like so much it's such a fun way to make yeah. a record. It's <laughs> so cool. You know, it's like we're we're purposefully adding this constraint mm-hmm. to aid in the creative process, right? Like you you need these like boxes. Okay, like if it's too slow, then you said it's, it's not thrash. If it's too fast, it's just nothing, right? Like, yeah. mm-hmm. so you have to have like a little bit of a box to live in, for something to be understood as to what you're like as you're presenting it to be.
3: Yeah, well, yeah. If you let the whole free range thing, then it's like endless, and then you'll sit here for six years with a record that's half finished. Yeah,
2: right. <laughs> you so, can create the box, but you got to stay in it once you I make it. I want it to
1: be yeah. a blues rock
3: concept trippy <laughs> yeah. album. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, what? Yeah.
1: It's all trip the, hop. All the jazz. Vocals are in reverse, <laughs> and to understand it, you have to play the record backwards. But yeah, in the dark. That's a lot of interesting rules. (laughs) Yeah, I got so many rules, dude. (laughs) So yeah, I I just voraciously love music, you know, and um, it just started from a young age of really like, I grew up in Southern Illinois, so I just grew up like destroying Garth Brooks, you know, (laughs) just like, just totally, just like all in that world, Travis Tritt, you know, but like looking back now as an adult, like, That's why I love Grant Parsons. It's why I Mm. love Flying Burrito Brothers. It's why I love Buck Owens. Like it's, you know, there are things about that that are still valid, even though they seem a little bit, um, a little bit clownish in retrospect.
0: They still brought you to where you are today. Right. They're all still a
1: part of like what, you know, this big wave of your creativity as you move forward, like whatever you're bringing along with you. um, It all has merit and value.
3: Yeah, it was palatable for you when you were thirteen, fourteen. You're like, oh, this is kind of cool, and then you kind of go down the rabbit hole like anything else like with music, and you're like, oh, now that that's what I really like, and then you like go to the subcategories yeah. and mm-hmm. yeah,
0: until you get to the dad blues. <laughs> Good old dad rock. Dads
1: have to be happy too, man. You yeah. know, like <laughs> I'm at this phase in life where I'm also like, I hate, I, uh, I, I love to hate, you know. But then I'm also like, you know, like everybody, like I lo- like there are there are times in which I reflect on music that is made and I think, wow, this is so poor <laughs> in some in some qualitative amount, right? Like, right. like ah, I don't this is so below the bar. And then I think, this is what most of my family members think that I do. Like, yeah. like the difference between <laughs> this and what I think I do to them is none. Right? Yeah. It's zero. So it really it gets humbling very quickly when I mean, I'm like, you know, this person playing at, uh, you know, Applebee's in wherever Wisconsin or whatever that this is also what my family thinks I do, you know? <laughs> yeah. So just, just music is one big general people, amorphous people who are not musical people. Music is one big amorphous block. They don't,
2: they don't understand there's yeah. levels yeah. to yeah. it. Case yeah. in
1: point. How many of you have gotten like a guitar figurine from an aunt or a relative, some you know guitar socks or something that's like adjacent to what you're like? Okay, I don't really, I wouldn't really wear this, but I get that you're trying. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. It, it becomes your identity. Sure. Yeah. Them.
1: Oh, I saw a thing that is kind of music related. You must like that as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's all those
3: jokes too, where it's like. Like, oh, you play guitar? Like, yeah. And then you play some, like, Neo Shred stuff. And you're like, oh, that's cool. Do you know how to play this pop song? you're like, (laughs) yes. And you're like, oh, my God, you're so
1: good. You're like, what the? Really?
2: What about (laughs) Wonderwall? What about it? It's always the request. What about it? There's nothing about it. I stopped
1: bringing guitar to parties years ago.
2: Christian still does.
0: (laughs)
1: Oh, who's the guy that came here with the guitar today? It was
2: for <laughs> it's business. for a purpose. It's, it's for, it's a for purpose. research. We
1: are we're going to show you how to get what you want, okay? Yeah. 5 easy steps.
2: <laughs> he actually wrote a book about it. Yeah, so we'll, it's coming out soon. Yeah. So, I don't even know how to transition from that. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. I'm trying to
0: trying to keep so the story here, going. So here here we
2: go. How why Jazz Masters? What was it about the Jazz Master that just Grabbed you and you were like, "This is what I'm gonna start doing." Things around. Or actually, when was that? When, when Jazz Masters? Then why when Jazz Masters? <laughs> when
1: then why? I just I felt like I had played <clears throat> guitar musical chairs for so many years, and I never really landed in a place that felt great to me. Um, and a couple of things just kind of happened all at the same time where I was like, this is the right move. So I was playing in a band and I was playing, um, a thin line telly and I bought, um, which I loved yeah. and I bought, um, a reverend that I also loved, a jet stream double humbucker because Jen Wassner from Wyoke had one and this record came out. Um, and there's a song, um, on it that I just like was so enamored by. And I literally like had never touched one. I found one on eBay and I bought it (laughs) because it was like before reverb I bought it on eBay and the shit you not. I was at the time working at a, um, Italian sausage factory in Fulton market in the cold storage packing pallets for pizzerias. This was my actual job. Can you say that three times fast? No, I cannot. I can't even remember the order in which I just said it.
0: (laughs) You had a very specific job. (laughs) A
1: very specific job, and I got it delivered to to the to Fabry sausage to the freezer to the freezer. Uh oh, yeah, because I was like, they can't have this sent to my. I had never bought a guitar online before, ever. I'd never purchased a guitar online. That's how much I was like, I love the sound of that guitar. So I buy this Jetstream, and I was playing this Jetstream for a while, and it was great. But I hated the idea of like switching between these two guitars, and I was always more of a single coil kind of guy. I played Strats for years. Cause I was, I was in a blues band. I lived in Austin and did blues, you know, for a Mm -hmm. full year and came back here and did a blues night at a little pub here. Um, but then I joined a cool indie rock band and I was like, I can't play a strat in it. You know, like I can't, (laughs) I'm not, this ain't the strokes. Like I I can't, this isn't, this isn't the right thing. Um, so I had this reverend and it was an, it was my first offset offset means that the, the, upper bout of the body is offset from the lower bout. So when you sit it on your waist, it sits more comfortably while you're in a seated position. It's a 15 degree angle from your leg to where your waist hits. So when you're sitting, it's more ergonomic. Um, So I I bought this Jetstream and I was like, this is cool, but I just had always wanted something with single coils. And uh, it had this really cool contour knob that you could roll all the high end off and get this real bassy trebly thing very similar to the Fender to the Jazzmaster Rhythm Circuit and um, I had friends that worked at Chicago Music Exchange and I was just always in there all the time just scheming and scheming and scheming there was also a place called Avenue Inn on uh, North Avenue that they had a, a 59 Jazzmaster in there that was a Gold Guard 59 and it was behind the counter And I'd go in there and I just would like, like it was like Excalibur, you know, like it was Wayne's world and I just would stare at it and I remember it was (laughs) (laughs) $8,000, which now is crazy because they're like $25,000 and I can, I just went, I would just go home and be like, I would tell my wife, I'm like, Oh my God, this guitar is just like incredible. Right. She's like, can we, should we buy it? And I was like, I love you so much. You're crazy. We can't buy an $8,000 guitar. I work at a I work at a sausage factory. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? Um, we'll sell the cars. It's fine. <laughs> and then um, a, a friend had a, a 65 Jazzmaster that I got. To, I think it's a 65, 64, or 65 Jazzmaster that I got to play at a party one night. And I was like, whoa, this guitar is so cool. Um, and we were playing. We played a live performance at Chicago Music Exchange. And they had a 59. And my buddy, Chris, who... Um, I've filmed bands with and he was filming us and he worked there. Um, was like, you got, the whole point is like, you guys can come and you can grab anything you want. And then like that, we're going to film you guys playing any piece of any gear that you want. So they had a gold guard 59. I was like, I'm going to, I'm <laughs> going for the gold. You saw guard. Your shot. I'm this, I'm going to play. Th- I was so excited. And we got there and I was like, Chris, like, where is this? Where You know, I've been, I've been you know, scoping this guitar out. He's like, Oh man, that's upstairs in the vault. We can't grab it. So I didn't get to play it, but I played a 65 um, and the whole time it went out of tune. Like the whole time I fought (laughs) it, the entire time, but I was determined to make it work. And then I just was like, uh, you know, I bought a classic player, um, much to the chagrin of the person who was trying to convince me to buy an American made one. Um, But I bought like the, basically they have effectively two P90s in them and a two-matic bridge and the trim was screwed scooted a little bit closer or whatever, but then I got rid of the other two guitars it became my main my main guitar until i bought um, i bought a sixty five slash sixty one reefin reefin when I started at Chicago mm-hmm. music exchange so and that's where I learned everything about those guitars really
0: so you haven't owned a, a different guitar
1: since well now i'm i uh, have someone make guitars for me with my name on them basically with you know my business's name on them that's a good point so now i um I have more jazz masters available and near and, uh, near me than really I ever really wanted to because I was like I already I have this great guitar right, um, but I've I've toyed with I, I've had an SG and a Tele Sense and a 335 and it just still, at the end of the day, the last like record the band that I was in made like we had a bunch of alternative tunings and it, it just was like I couldn't on stage the lead singer had like five guitars i'm like this is nuts like i have one i can't we can't yeah. do these changes you know like that's insane I, I need something else and so i'd had i had a telly uh highway one telly which was awesome those highway one tellies are incredible i highly recommend them um and a 65 sg that was oh, really nice. cool, but it had been like gutted. The pickups weren't original. Or anything. Uh, okay, but it looked awesome. Yeah. Mike seemed so disappointed. <laughs> um, it was a, like, sick. nice. Oh, oh shit! <laughs> cool. <laughs> but it had the sweet, ma- Maestro and the Batwing Guard. Oh yeah, oh, nice. awesome. this is a great guitar. Um, I I kind of regret, regret getting rid of it, but I always have this this mentality of like, um, you shouldn't hold on to anything that is you're not playing anymore. You know, you mm-hmm. should you shouldn't like hoard things and for the sake of sentimentality and if you get rid of something you should always get rid of it in order to get something that's better you know that inspires you more absolutely you know as long as you're trading up towards something that's helping you accomplish whatever it is you're trying to express better than you're doing great
0: it's funny we're we're all different i think we all have multiple guitars my brother's more of that stance he has one guitar he's like why do i need yeah. anything else
1: yeah yeah the, it was just like every time i picked up something different I just was like, this feels weird. I feel like I'm forcing myself to, to choose something different because I feel like I should. And that's, I bought it as a 65 refin. I was working in the photo department at Chicago Music Exchange and I opened the case to take a photo of it for listing and I closed the case <laughs> and I put it behind my desk. And I was like, "There's, um, there's no even reason for me to take a picture of this. This is <laughs> I'm bringing it right to is, the front desk this is when I get off." And yeah. I like went to the the GM at the time I was like, "George, can I please put this on an order? Like, can you give me a price for this?" Um, and I'm glad I did. It really, like, truly, it truly in a in a strange way like to changed my life. It changed the track kicked directory. everything yeah. off. Yeah, yeah, it just was like I felt like, um, I found a, a niche or like a specialty, something that I really became very passionate about. Um, and I wouldn't have done it without owning that guitar.
0: So how long after that were you dreaming of Black Bobbin?
1: I didn't dream about Black Bobbin until, um, until after I had left Chicago music exchange for another job. Um, I started dreaming about Black Bobbin on a Friday and by Saturday I had the name and I had decided I was quitting my job. <laughs> 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 I had literally a, a list of three names for the business and I was like, that's the one that is the best and I'm buying the domain and I'm going to tell my boss I'm leaving on Monday. So, it's that easy. so What were the other two <laughs> names? You got to try that. I mean, it's really not, I, you know, I think the goal was always for me to do my own thing at some point. And so everything that I had done before really like informed that, you know, I mm-hmm. tried to learn as much as I could about all aspects of, of, of this industry and of business and guitar manufacturing and have good customer service, all that stuff underneath the umbrella of somebody else and um, then was able to take that with me. But um, as far as like this being, you know, building a version of my dream guitar in this iteration, I didn't think about that even until a year into the business. Um, it was just purely like, not having access to inventory because people were selling used guitars for the same price as new guitars. And I was like, this is crazy. You know, I can't like sink what very little cash I have into buying a used guitar that if the market crashes tomorrow, then I'm left holding the bag on like all these American original jazz masters. Oh, for sure, (laughs) yeah. And just like, it didn't make any sense. I was like, maybe I could just have someone make me my own, you know? like. Mm -hmm. But it was supposed to just be parts casters and it kind of morphed into...
2: Else. The, the best jazz masters on the market. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. It's not Wait. a bad claim to fame. Yeah, <laughs> right.
0: So you, you thought of it on Friday, confirmed on Saturday and quit your job on Monday. What'd you do on Tuesday? What was, what was, the No, I just of? like said I was <laughs>
1: quitting on Monday, you know, like oh, so, and I have put in my two weeks. So you know? two weeks
2: later yeah. on Tuesday, what'd you Yeah, do? Yeah, two <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah.
1: Two weeks later Two weeks later on Tuesday. Uh, I, you know, we're still in the middle of the, of the pandemic. And, um, i have a seven month old at the time so the whole the whole like pitch was um you know i'm gonna be a full-time parent and also start this business so i'm gonna do i think i can do both mm-hmm. um and i'm two years two almost two and a half years into that plan uh which i thought was gonna be like a six-month plan so uh <laughs> just had no faith from jump you're like i'm gonna do this Dad thing might be a little, a little well, much. Honestly, but honestly, like the parent, the parent <laughs> thing is 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 being an acceptable parent that I'm proud of. At the end of the day, is way more difficult than being a business owner. All of this stuff was simple because I had worked so hard to, um, to make myself a knowledgeable resource about these particular instruments, mm-hmm. and um, to just try to just treat people right and be honest about the guitar world, which I think that people respond to you know they're so used to just like being told yeah 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 you should buy this guitar like this is this guitar's great this guitar's great and my thing that had always been if someone called me and a guitar was terrible I would tell them you know like mm-hmm. why why waste a relationship over one quick sale you know yeah. and i have lots of great customers who still work with me because of that kind of mentality so um so anyway the question the answer to the question was on tuesday after I had quit my job, it was, oh, my God, I have to create an infrastructure for this business in the next <laughs> month before my child is home with me full time. So I had, a, I had a month where he was still in, um, in daycare mm-hmm. where I, like, set up all of the back-end infrastructure of the business to make sure. I was like, this has got to work seamlessly, and I have to make it work in 30 days. <laughs> That's a lot to do. Because yeah. if not, there's also going to be a child here. I can't, like, you know, yeah. like, like, I have to make sure that my, there's no, like, I think I just need to figure out what my shipping profile should be. Like, my shipping tier should be. I, like, mm-hmm. had to, like, get it all done. Um, and I did it by just using the coffee subscription as a launch because it was nice and easy. It got the name out. It was uh, something that I'm also still passionate about being a part of the end result of whatever Black Bobbin ends up being. Um, but I was able to kind of, like, troubleshoot all of these things without... Shipping guitars to the wrong place or whatever, you know? Yeah. Like, it was just it was coffee. So, so coffee was your tester. Coffee was the tester. And when, I liked, when I launched on day one with the logo and people were like, whoa, he's doing Jazzmaster stuff. The, and then the day logo two, is so And then day sick. two was like, it's a coffee subscription. Everyone's like, what's going on? <laughs> this is cool, I guess, but I didn't know this was coming.
0: So... Where you just like, just be patient, the Jazz Masters are coming.
2: Oh,
1: yeah, no, I already knew, like, yeah, I knew what was you coming, You had the, right? the like, steps yeah. planned out. Yeah, I mean, um, a big reason why I felt like I could just, again, Friday, you know, decide, Saturday, pick the name, and then Monday, leave, was like, it's like, I know everybody in this industry now. Like, I have people that I'm connected to now. Why, my plan was to wait for five years, do, like, b- pure business and get some more business stuff underneath my belt, and then pull the trigger on doing something like this. I was like, I know everybody now. Like, why would I not just, why not go for it? Why not call Brady from old blood noise and just mm-hmm. be like, yo dude, this is what I'm thinking about. And You know, call Jason, uh, you know, call, call, call Lawler and just be like, this is, this is the idea, you know? Um, and just took a couple of phone calls to get some of my friends that I've, you know, become acquainted with over the years to just, Be like, yeah, this is a good idea. You should do that, you know, Uh, and that's all it took.
0: Seems like it's working out pretty so far. Yeah, I was
1: going to say. Yeah, I mean, again, like, I I just, I'm just so grateful um, that I get to do it. You know, even on the hardest days, it's just like, it's it's remarkable to me, you know. Mm -hmm. Anytime I'm like, oh, my God, (sighs) I got to resolder this, you know, this grounding issue. I'm just like, shut up, dude. You know, like, you're standing in your house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you're hang- you get to hang out with your kid all day. Like, everything's going great. You're you working
2: know? on your favorite guitar. Yeah, <laughs> like, <yeah. laughs>
1: you know, like, it's all in the name of, like, building this community. Not necessarily around this guitar, but part of the reason I, you know, I was so drawn to this instrument is just such a, such a un- misunderstood part of the Fender history. And most people, my experience would go like this. Oh, that's a jazz master. I don't like that. I go. Oh, have you ever played one? Nope. Oh, okay. Would you like to? Well, there's too many switches. <laughs> okay. Well, can I explain to you what the switches do? Yeah, sure. And I enter an explanation. They go. Oh, that sounds pretty cool. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna leave you with this guitar in this room. <laughs> you just play it for a couple minutes, and I'm gonna come back. And I come back and bang this is pretty cool. You know, like, this, I actually kind of like this, you know? Like, and you got a new disciple. Exactly. It's <laughs> the It was the easiest thing for me to sell because people have very little experience with it. Everyone knows what they think a telly should do. Everyone knows what they think a strat should do. Everyone knows what they think Les Paul should do. And honestly, when you sit down with those instruments, you create what those things are. Should do based on what you think they should do, right? Mm -hmm. You sit down and you play an SG like an SG like how you think an SG should be played Well, when you pick up something that you have very little understanding about or very little preconceived notion about You just kind of start to fiddle with things that you have never done before I had never touched a volume or a tone knob in my life until I picked up a Jazzmaster. Not to say that it's easier to do so or more organized. I just had, it just was like, I just don't know. I just started touching everything. I just yeah, like, how I don't does know this work? how, does this how work? all the yeah. things do the stuff. And so I want to know how all the, because I had, I had decided that I knew how all those other guitars worked, but I also didn't know how those guitars worked either. When was the last time you touched a tone knob on a Strat? You know, like never. Yeah. You just flip through, you know? <laughs> when was the time last time you were in the middle position in a strat? Never. Yeah. Neck, yeah. middle, leave it. That's it. Yeah, Everything
2: that's, dimed, neck, that, middle. That neck is that's the, all you that do. <laughs> the but the units. middle
1: position is awesome, especially if you roll the tone down back a little bit. And that's what the going in this route allowed me to open up for myself and then show to other people. I'm like, whoa, we're all just like, touching the surface of this without exploring it at all. And a lot of the people that we emulate or respect, the people that have made great art, like, approach this in such a different way than what we're doing now. And how do we get closer to that? You know, like, all the records we love that are distorted are a little champ, turned up as loud as it goes, with a microphone in front of it. And then the tour is Marshall Fullstacks, right? Yeah. But in the studio, it's a little but amp.
2: The tone you grew up loving yeah. is, is a tiny little tiny amp. amp dime With
1: a 10-inch <laughs> speaker as loud as it goes, right? Um, I guarantee you if you try to recreate something that is like classically distorted, and you're like, if I sat you down with a rig, I was like, all right, you know, recreate Layla, right? You're going to overshoot how overdriven it is you're going to misremember how that sounds and you're going to push it way past saturation of where it really should be because we misremember sonic, sonically all the time you know it has this huge anthemic sound in our heads but really it's just a little amp with some humbuckers cranked as loud as it goes and that's not as as saturated as like it gets into like the 90s the 80s and 90s and you know obviously completely different approach to things but
3: yeah because me and dylan were having a conversation in the car earlier on the way here and we're like it's just kind of funny to think you know let's say the band's like first couple albums like whatever era they were in they all had no money they're all starting out and they had a you know probably relatively cheap guitar with some amplifier that may or may not be a guitar focused amplifier and, you know, people spend, you know, the $10,000 to recreate this, like, Walmart speaker that they had <laughs> yeah. in the 70s. Because they're like, I had no money to play this first right. album, so we dumped yeah. it on the album. Couple things for gear. Right. And, you know, it's just it was just kind of funny that people wanted, like, that tone. And you're like, mm-hmm. this tone was, like,
2: unbearable. You know, yeah. if you
3: think about it back yeah. in the relevancy Sea of, like, oh, like, real guys had Marshalls and yeah. well, I had this. We
2: were <laughs> listening to flat <laughs> duo Jets and, like, early White Stripe stuff. And yeah. that's what we were just like. Dude, nobody wanted one of those rezo glass guitars, yeah. or you know these, you know five watt silver tones or whatever. Like, Sony like, made it
3: cool, and everyone's like, "Whoa, yeah. that can do that." The You're
2: K like, that's sitting it, on your wall, nobody it, it, wanted that until Jack White played one. That. And that's the yeah. thing; is
1: yeah. like it just took some. It took like a couple guys excavating and, and 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 Andy Clark excavating that and being like, "No, this has always been here." Yeah, this is the reason that you like this. Plus, I'm talented, right? Like that is a really important part of the equation. Um, plus I I'm, I'm on a journey to find my voice. And through doing that, I find RL Burnside, you know, and I find T. Uh, T model Ford and I find these Mississippi dudes who are paying, playing PVs, you know, and you're yeah. just like, what a PV <laughs> like, yeah, but this sounds kind of good. What does it say about me? If I think this PV sounds kind of good, like how do you take, you know, how do you, how do you, how do you wrap your, your brain Kimbrough around that? And PB, how do you separate Junior Kimbo from PV? You can't. Like they're they are intertwined. It is not a pleasing or in tune sound.
0: <laughs> what about um the guy that bought your Marshall? Cab? I was just about to go. Oh into that. my yeah. god! So this speaking
2: is the of having story. Like,
0: sort
3: of like an ego or something to protect, you know, from yep. yourself, is I had a just a, a, it wasn't anything crazy, but it was just a four x twelve Marshall cab. I emptied it out. I had vintage thirties in there bought a smaller amp just because it's stupidly loud yeah Um, and so the guy that bought it for me he plays in like a cover band like a classic rock cover band and he has some pedals and he's like I love my blues junior like I love that thing but he says it looks so stupid on stage (laughs) so what his idea was is to A do like those funny memes where you have a stack and then the little amp behind it with the mic yeah. or put it inside of it and then mic up the Marshall cab to make it look like he's yeah. playing through a cab. Yeah. Is legit why he bought it for
1: me. I've seen <laughs> legitimate tours that do that.
2: Please elaborate.
1: I will not.
2: <laughs> is it is it juicy?
1: No, no, no. It's what people do. It just happens more frequently than you think. There are forward facing amplifiers and then there's an amp. There's a champ facing (laughs) the other way with a microphone in front of it. That's funny. I've seen it from side of stage. I've watched it happen. It happens because that is a sound and it is the sound. Right, so again, the whole the whole detour was like we all have kind of come like this way, the 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 inverse way, you know. Like I had a hot rod Deville, you know, like could never turn up past one and a half without destroying people, <laughs> you know. And then you're just like slamming a BD two through it, and you're just like, why does this sound bad? Like because you have a not tube, breathing, you have you a have tube it amplifier like... that you're doing nothing to, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you want to use a tube amplifier, you have to turn it up loud. And you have to be able to actually start to work the tubes to get this sound, right? Um, and all of that exploration really began at at this time where I started to pick up this instrument that I knew very little about, but was drawn to because of guys like like Nels Klein and, um, yeah, <laughs> the guy. Um, and, and just like, it just felt like the perfect blend of the, of that telly and that, that reverend that just felt... Mm-hmm the right thing for just me. Just felt right. And then when I was in that band, <laughs> it was just like, you know, when you have bandmates go, yeah, that's the guitar. You know? Like yeah. You, when you have other people reflecting like, yeah, that, this is you. It reassured you. Yeah. The, yeah.
2: Sound, the sound is right yeah. for you. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And then the more that I just got into it, the more it just, like I said, it was just so easy to, to sell because I, nobody else was passionate about it. Nobody else was talking. Other people were talking about it. I don't want to pretend like I invented jazz masters or the reinvention of jazz masters plenty of other people were talking about it but people at the store i was working at they just didn't want to touch it and so it was just like such an easy i was never going to sell flamey les pauls i i I hate that i just don't care it's not me so it just was the right it was the right thing for me
3: yeah and it's interesting because you were talking about like people like misunderstanding it too and you know a lot of those like guitars that we love today were all that like you know the it kind of, I guess, Gibson, you have the Explorer and the V's, people were like, what are these? Yeah. you like, no. <laughs> yeah. And it took, what, 60 years for them to be cool again? Yeah, I mean, it's like, like, actually cool, like there's yeah. a couple people that, you know, kind of sprinkled it in but, like, there are all the other brands have their Explorer shape or their V now for metal yeah. and stuff, now it's Dean, cool.
1: all that, I mean, yeah. all that stuff that, like, 90s to early aughts, like, it was, like, su- always jet black and, like, super heavy, but it just takes, like, you know, Metallica and Rick Rick Nielsen and and All these like yeah. people pulling, but it, that's what happens. It, it happens with every instrument. Is that as long if you if you tie one person to it, you tie the right one person to it, then it has a reinsurgence. I mean, the Les Paul was discontinued, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, in 1960, no more. Right? We moved to the SG, which is still called the Les Paul until 1962, until Les Paul says, "Please take my name off of this. I hate this guitar." I don't want anything to do with this.
2: What was he said it like didn't resonate, right? It just right? W- like it just wasn't what he wanted. Know,
1: this is Gibson trying to respond to Fender dominating, mm-hmm. right? The Les Paul was an old man's jazz guitar, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what it was marketed as. Les Paul was like some dinosaur, you know? And who cares? Like they got all these hot country guys in Bakersfield playing tellies, and Fender's winning. So then they do the SG solid guitar, right? <laughs> And Les Paul hates it. He's just like, this is not, this is not what I wanted to do. I don't want to do this. Um, and then immediately, because nobody wants a Les Paul, they're cheap, and everyone in the UK wants one because it's American, right? And so then guys like Clapton, and Jeff Beck, and all these dudes just start picking. Jimmy Page starts start buying them at pawn shops because they're cheap, and now they're half a million dollar guitars. Yeah. Right. That's the story. Yeah. That's the story. Yeah. Simple. Is that, <laughs> cheap, cheap guitars that nobody wanted were picked up by poor musicians in pawn shops that changed the world. Like the uh, the Les Paul
0: Juniors in the '90s, right? Same exact yeah. story. Buying them at a pawn shop,
1: right? Same so how thing, do you, Same how thing do you, with the Jazzmaster, right? Yeah. Or '80s, '90s, they're trash guitars. They are discontinued in the, in the '70s, late '70s, and nobody wants them. They just are parted and pulled, you know, like completely mm. thrashed. And people just go into pawn shops, and they're just what people can buy, and then you get Thurston more, and you know all all this whole wave of people playing these guitars that they just didn't matter.
3: Kind of like that, like overdrive fuzz kind of thing, like in the '90s. A lot of the grunge bands were picking up these like cheap pedals that people were like, "I don't want that" because I have my like yeah. rack mount from the '80s or whatever. Right. And like a lot of people were telling me, like that's how Nirvana got their sound. as they just went to these like broken like dented old pedals that people are like, do you want yeah. it? And you're like, yeah. yeah. And then people are like, Oh my
1: God, it's so great. Now they have,
3: you know, $200 replications of, you know, who's, who's right. You know, tone.
2: Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's, it's Tom Verlaine saying what's an offset, you know, it, like jokes <laughs> on me, right? That's, that's, that's the full circle of this, right? Jokes on me because I think this is super hip and cool. And this was just the thing that you used, mm-hmm. right? It doesn't matter. I mean, back to what you were saying about musicians, uh, you know, playing cheap instruments. Jimi Hendrix didn't own a guitar, you know, like until he went to the UK, and he kept setting them on fire. <laughs> <laughs> this was before that. But Keith Richards's girlfriend had to steal one of his guitars and gave him a Strat. That's how that's how Hendrix got to play in his own band. He had to keep being in other people's bands because he didn't own a guitar, right? Like that's that's these are the people at the top of of this the Mount thing, Rushmore of this know? thing that we do. Yeah, of like I will play literally anything. That's set up any way through any possible amplifier, and I will sound like me, right? That's impressive, to be honest. And you listen to that. Think about that. Yeah, there's some old videos of Hendrix playing Jazz Masters upside down. <laughs> you know,
0: that must be awkward.
1: It's really cool. <laughs> he
0: <laughs> offset at of the offset.
3: Yeah, it's like
1: <laughs> well, it's like yeah, um, and it's uh, it just it just sounds like Hendrix. You know, it's crazy. That's weird. There's always people like that
0: because you always bring up we're into racing. So like Michael Schumacher digging tires out of the trash for his go kart.
2: Yeah, yeah, like
1: stuff like world that. Champ. Like there's
0: always people that just can make something out of nothing.
1: Yeah, that's the people. That's that's the grit. You know, that's the people. Those are the people who change the world because they just are so determined that they'll do anything. And it has nothing to do. Uh, this <laughs> it has nothing to do with the gear that you play. It has to do with. The work that you put into it you know and that can be i believe any any level of instrument it doesn't matter that's that's the biggest joke of of me saying that right like yeah but my job is not to convince someone that they need to buy an expensive guitar my job is to explain to someone why that thing works in that particular way but also how you can achieve it in other ways too you know like the point is just to be able to express yourself that's
2: it so is that the beauty of the Jazzmaster to you is that it's something that is so often overlooked that it's, it gives you kind of like a fresh set of eyes when you pick one up? Is you that just, just like, don't
1: project anything on. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's becoming less and less true. But if I told you to close your eyes and draw a guitar, you're going to draw a Strat, right? Like most people, would, most lay people, without even knowing it, they're going to draw something that looks like Strat or a Tele. They're not going to draw that. You just don't have as much emotionally attached in it. We don't have as many heroes with them on, so it doesn't it doesn't make you do what you normally would do, you know?
2: Which is funny is I've never thought about things that way, but uh, we were at Christian's just jamming, hanging out, and I was like, oh, dude, you know what? I've never actually plugged your Strat in, and I literally picked it up and played Little Wing. Like, that was <laughs> yeah. it. That was just it. That was yeah. just like, oh, that's a Strat. I that's know. the noise it makes, you, you know? Hit, like, you hit the low <laughs> E and you go,
1: oh, I know what this does. Yeah. You know, because... There's so many examples of that, you know, and, and it just you immediately go to that place um and and the people who pioneered this guitar for when it was brought back in, like you can barely hear what it's doing anyway, like yeah, you know there's a, like it does a very specific thing, but there's so much more to it, and I think that that's the journey that i've found myself on is is presenting it as like um as a As a very holistic instrument that's not just like nichey, you know
2: that's such a good way to put it that's that's awesome that's like a-
0: you're i mean you're completely right. I never saw a jazz master until we saw Shaky Graves play, yeah, like that was my first time I think, and then I never really had like an urge to play one I didn't know anything about it. I learned what the switches do like two weeks ago, yeah yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no one informs
1: you on Jazzmasters. It's everything else. But the thing, the, the again, the thing that was interesting as I started to unearth this is that we don't really inform ourselves about the history of all of these things, and then you start to understand where they come from, right? Like, yeah. in 1958, when these were released, it was the first guitar to offer a noiseless option in the middle position, right? Because everything else was single coils, right? No, the Tele has a three-way toggle, right? Mm-hmm. Strat has a three-way toggle. It doesn't have the middle positions. Mm -hmm. Strat had a three-way toggle until the late 70s. Think about that. That like weird in-between sound. People would have to jam the selector in between the two positions until the late 70s, right? So again, we have this very modern approach on how we think about these guitars because that's all we've experienced. But a Tele was wired until late 67 as bridge pickup, neck pickup in the middle, really dark neck pickup. It had a, a higher it has a really capacitor. Because when it comes out in the fifties, lots of people who are playing bass are still playing stand up bass. So the guitar player would go to the neck pickup in this really dark thing and mimic the bass line. It's called tic tac bass. Mm-hmm. A lot of old country stuff does it with uh, with like a uh, Dan Electro and a stand up bass too. Yeah. They play they double play the same part so it stands so you have like this really boomy low end from the, the stand up bass, but the articulation from the guitar. So Leo, that's how he wired it until until after he sells the company to CBS. He's still on the board with CBS until 67. And he is insistent that they keep it that way. And then finally, like, once he's gone, gone, they, they switch the wiring to how we know it now. But that's how a telly was wired. There was no middle position with the two working I together. I did not know that. Yeah, me neither. So part of my theory as to why the rhythm circuit is how it is, is very much so based on that same mentality. Is that... Guitars, op, you know, occupied a completely different space than they do in, in the modern world. They're also playing bass lines. They're also playing rhythm, mm-hmm. right? And so you need the ability to quickly switch to, you know, to that. And so yeah. that's the first time it's a, it's a switchable option instead of just being innately in the wiring harness. You have to remember, too, that this, the Jazzmaster was the top-of-the-line guitar. Like, this, they went all in on, like, this is the deluxe model. It's the most expensive guitar that they offered, had the most, like, ornate features and all this stuff. And so they, he just was really trying to... It, the switching was also um, a concept from a, um, a pedal steel console that he had fiddled hmm. with, too. But um, that dark rhythm circuit, I really feel is inspired by... Again, guitars meant something different when it was created. And so then what do you do with that information in a modern world? Like, do you, how do you use that and know, like, the history, because, it, again, it opens you up into um, not even thinking about, like, again, like, I've just told you yeah. three things what? about Strats, Tellies, and Jazz Masters that you just didn't know before, because we just don't, we just kind of don't take the time, yeah. right? Like, we don't think about it.
3: Yeah, now, how do you think it's hard to put that in, because, again, you have all these different pedals that they didn't have 50 years ago, they have all these different amps that do all these very specific or very well-rounded things, you know, and then you have, especially a lot of guitars they really haven't changed their design no. like yeah. at all so it's kind of like this old idea being put into i mean even now like all these like uh imitation amps like kempers and all these profiling stuff yeah. it's it's crazy and then you you still plug in your 50s designed guitar into it <laughs> that
1: works with <laughs> magnets yeah <laughs> based on the polarity of the earth it's just copper wire wrapped around magnets and we plug it into a Kemper. Yeah, that's, that's wild. Yeah, that's, that's a my, wild, wild thought a, when you put it that way. It's an insane <laughs> meeting of, of of two very different worlds, uh, of, of something that is literally a, a, as basic and fundamental as it gets and something that's as complex as it can be. Yeah.
0: It's also funny how everything's so complex, like you said, the Kemper, but you try and change the way a pickup is built and everyone's going to, grab their pitchforks. Right. Oh, for sure. <laughs> like there's certain things that you cannot change. Right? Yeah. Right.
2: Yeah. But so I'm curious, how do you think like, um, you know, we talked that kind of like the jazz master represents that kind of like unknown, like mm-hmm. you have to force yourself to think differently and just play like yourself, yeah. learning a different style of guitar. How do you think going forward in the world that that's going to be? Cause I feel like it's just become so easy, right? Like we talked about like almost learning a song or, you know and that leaning more towards finding your sound but now it's they make a pedal or they make a setting on a kemper or whatever that you know you want to sound like david gilmore here you go you sound like david gilmore now so it's like there's not really that struggle anymore there's not really trying to figure out how to make a certain noise and maybe you know having a mistake and learning something different out of that
1: yeah um a detour, and then the answer. Uh, I, I was listening to something. Um, you guys listen to Cocaine and Rhinestones podcast? No. no. It's so good. It's about country music, 20th century country music. But um, the episodes are like two and a half hours long. They're just like these big epic journeys of like bullfighting <laughs> and then how it relates to George Jones. It's mad It's insane. But Sounds but awesome. I'm going to listen really, to that. It's really, really good. Yeah. Um, uh, he was talking about how fiddle players – listening would listen to records where there were two fiddle players, but they didn't realize that there were two fiddle players. So they learned how to play both parts and how it changes. It changed the trajectory of country music That's nuts. because you have one person who has, who's completely blind to this experience, right? You're just listening to a record and you're like, Whoa, there's a fiddle, right? How are they playing those two parts at the same time? I guess I got to learn how to play those two parts at the same time. And it births a whole new way of creating music. Um, And what you're saying kind of takes away from that experience because you're, there's less of like this navigation, but I think that's why it's even more important to have conversations like the one that we're having of like those, those spots are supposed to be places where you are checking in to say, yes, I'm moving forward, Mm -hmm. not this is my destination. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. You know and and again I'm at the place in my life where like I have no I have no judgment of anyone who wants to just play Pink Floyd covers like and like and just dial that in like that's mm-hmm. awesome like as long as you are expressing yourself and you are feeling um good about doing that in in whatever capacity with whatever gear it is that you have then great um but for others who are maybe looking for the the deeper artistic meaning of like, what do I sound like? Again, it should be that, yes, it's awesome that you can dial this in like immediately. But then what, ha- I mean, I think it's so, such a huge part of a person's nature. Who is na- like, mm-hmm. who is inquisitive in the first place that they're going to start messing with knobs regardless yeah. if like, if it can, if it can take you there immediately, you're going to go, yeah, but what does that do? It's just, ho- it's just how we work. It's like yeah. picking up a pedal that's not plugged in. And what do you do? You click it.
2: Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, (laughs) "Ah, you (laughs)
1: just—it's not plugged in, but you still push the button. Like it's just—it's just how we're hardwired. Like, (laughs)
0: Harvey wants a Jazzmaster just because it has extra switches. (laughs) (laughs) Here, just want to—they're really satisfying switches. Yeah, they're They're very satisfying switches. Great switches.
1: And a lot of people don't like them, and they're for a lot of good reasons. And I feel like kind of the the soup, the equation that I've kind of landed on on this version Mm -hmm. of what. Um, I like in a Jazzmaster addresses some of the things that people don't like in the rhythm circuit, which is that it's too dark and it's too muddy. Um, I did the Chicago Special um, Jazzmaster versions for CME based on my 65, 61. We spent some time out in California um, dissecting the pickups in my guitar and all that was like based on my specifications at the time. And uh, one of the big things that I really like to do is I put uh, 250 or 280k pots in the volume in the tone pots instead of one meg. So, Jazz Masters and Jags normally have one meg linear pots, which, or audio taper in the tone or whatever, um, which uh, is almost like not having a pot there at all. It's kind of like almost going straight through and super bright, it's a ton of information. Um, and Tellies and Strats have 250k pots. So kind of by accident I landed on putting 250k's in the volume because I did a lot of volume swelling um, with with the knob on the guitar and in a 1 meg when you roll back down to 9 or 8 it just like you just lose everything it's just mm-hmm. such a big difference because you have such a, a larger space that you're trying to cover so when you roll it down just a little bit it just like totally drops off. So I was explaining this problem to the tech at CME and he's like, why don't we try 250s? And so I put it in and I loved the way that the sweep felt yeah, and also Because there's such big single coils you get a lot of um, a lot more hum they're taking in more information Which you're getting more sonic information from the strings and that's great. That's but you also get more noise so the 250k also kind of like yeah Addresses that because I would always roll back when I was recording and roll back the volume a little bit to just not get so much hum in the room but what I found was that by changing the relationship um, uh, uh, of the, the lead circuit pots, it also um, changes people's perception of the rhythm circuit. So a lot of times when I do makeovers and I put two, the 280K pots in there, people go, oh, yeah, and the rhythm circuit's usable now too. What'd you do? It's like it did nothing. But what I did was I took these two things that were so far apart and I made them so much closer Because the rhythm circuit is um, the only difference is that it has a 50K tone pot. So that's why it's darker. It has all this resistance in there. Mm -hmm. Um, So by putting in, instead of having one megs and then this 50K, so you have one meg up here all the way down to 50K, we're going 250K to the 50K. And so the, 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 the distance between them feels a lot more usable. So people are like, wow, this is actually like, I can actually use this. Well, nothing has changed in the rhythm circuit. It's just that the lead circuit isn't so shrill and awful that you're like, "Oh, this actually sounds good." You know? Yeah. It's a happy accident. I, the first couple of times, I'm like, "I don't know what these people are talking about. I didn't do anything up there." I was like, "Oh, it's just because the perception—it's not these, such, of such these a stark yeah. It's just not as drastic." So, hmm. interesting. Yeah.
0: Wow. That was uh, Dylan's complaint too. Immediately. <laughs> yeah exact words where it's too muddy
1: yeah it's just too much mud but the thing is is like we we our ears perceive low end frequency as louder and and as a completely different thing than than top end frequency and so like a lot of times people are like oh the neck pickup is so much more than the bridge i'm like yeah because like bass is louder like low end is just louder um but yeah the the relationship between those two circuits like when you bring Mm -hmm. them closer together they just they work better you know the secret. Now you know the secret. Know. You, know the secret. <laughs> you don't got to do nothing. I got to give it to you. Yeah. That's what I got to do. <laughs> that's that's so, the secret.
2: So speaking of that transition, um, what what is your your main focus right now? Because I know you have you have the build your custom dream jazz master, and then you guys are also um, you know modifying the the squires and i think i saw you guys did a couple of the fenders as well right yeah
1: yeah i mean the whole business model in the beginning was just modifying anything i could get my hands on you Mm -hmm. know uh as we said product number one was was coffee and i think number two was lawler pickups and i'm forever grateful uh to them for taking a, a chance and it was a relationship that i built with them and um I'm just, I'm so I'm so glad that they were like, yeah, let's do this. Um, but I just was like, what, what happens if we take your stock pickup and age it for 50 years? Like, what would happen? Because magnets over time, they just lose their strength, right? Mm-hmm. They degauss. They become weaker. Whether they just like, it's from going through metal detectors or traveling or rubbing dirt and sweat on them or whatever, they just get weak. So I was like, what happens if we just take your pickups and just tame them a little bit? So used um, or they used alnico 2 magnets instead of Alnico fives and they're just a little bit lower output they're a little lower wound they're just a little softer um, again kind of going back to this like low watt tube amp pushed a lot of my tonal philosophy is like you should never be pushing an amplifier from the pickups because there's only so much there's there is a there's a threshold there's a compression mm-hmm. threshold yeah and you can always push it more with other things that are at your feet. We all do. Yeah. But you can never back off unless you're using the volume knob, which no one ever does. Right? So a pickup to me, and this is the magic in, the, in old pickups, as we just said, they get old. They, they wear out. They're just a little bit weaker. They're also like the, the foam wears out, so they're farther away from the strings. Mm-hmm. You pick up an old guitar and you're like, wow, this just sounds so open. Like, yeah, because it's just degraded. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, that's the just secret. the vibe. Yeah. I've played so many bad vintage guitars. Mm-hmm. And my mission in what I'm doing is taking the best of what I know about old guitars and all of the experiences that I've had playing incredible old instruments that I would just wish they had frets. But I could if I put frets on it, it'd be worth half of what it's worth. Like, that's a bullshit place to be if I made this instrument playable, I would lose half of my profit. Like yeah, self, anymore. that's stupid. Yeah. So how do, and, and like in and the fact that like most of them just aren't good. Like we live in this culture where everyone wants to pretend that the Holy Grail instruments are all vintage and they're all amazing. And it's just not true. So I, w- I started with this vision of like, how do I take all of the things that I know about old guitars and, we happen to live it's kind of like this this kemper and this, this this magnetic pickup relationship. We live in the the greatest time for modern manufacturing where not only can I say, "I want to make pickups I want to make my own type of pickups, but I want to make them sound like this record right yeah, like the way that people make music now, you have the entirety of all of music to say. Yeah, I want to make a fifty thousand dollar record that sounds like I made it in a garage, right? That's a yeah. that's a conscious yeah. choice. Yeah, you're right. Or I want to make a five hundred dollar record that sounds like I made it in the fifty thousand. You know, whatever whatever it is, every single thing that you're listening to when you're listening to a record is a conscious choice. Or every possibility is available, right? Like that used to not be the case. Like you're saying, like you just play the guitar that's there. You just make the record. You're just in the room. And someone says, all right, this better be the one because we're about to run out of time, right? <laughs> so now we get to go and say, all right, I, I want to cherry pick like the, my favorite sounds mm-hmm. and recreate my favorite sounds from time, right? And that's how people make records. That's how people make pickups. That's how people make instruments now. They're based on the 164 strat that was the one. You know what I mean? That's not how they made strats before. They just made strats. They pulled parts out of a bin. And if it was Friday afternoon, you might get a bad one because everyone was sauced. Well, that's,
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's a good point. But it's, it's funny because, I mean, um, you know, my first experience playing a vintage guitar was uh, probably like right when we were, Mike and I were like 16. We drove to CME for the first time. And I think it was, what was it, like a 64 strat, something like that? Seafoam. Seafoam green. green. It was just, it was beautiful. I played it and it was.
1: Did it have a decal on it? Like a Bomber know. Girl or something on it?
3: I don't know. It was just nah. like mildly relic. It wasn't it was, heavy. It was, it was like $8,500. $8, <laughs> so
2: yeah. I was yeah. like, hey, it might be legit here. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I just played it and it was unbelievable. It was the best sounding guitar I've ever heard. And then, you know, I can't tell you how many vintage strats I've picked up or strats that are made by Fender to be vintage that yeah. i have just like, this does
1: nothing for me. Like, it's just nothing grabs there's, me about this. There's so, there's so much fun little nuance in all the things that you just said. Maybe one of those guitars just needed a setup, new strings. Maybe someone didn't check out how high the pickups were supposed to be. Like, I believe intrinsically that all guitars can be great. Mm-hmm. Like, most guitars can be great, you know, if they have frets and they have a truss rod that works. You know, like it just needs to be set up and dialed in and someone needs to sit with it. My rule for finishing a setup is if, if I don't want to put the guitar down, then I know I'm done. If I have to consciously say to myself, you should really move on, that's when I know I'm done setting a guitar up.
3: Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. I, well, yeah. Cause if I do you're that subconsciously. Like, yeah. I don't know if I like the string height or something. Yeah, yeah. And then you're like. Well, of course,
1: it's not done. And sometimes I have to put it down and come back in the morning. Like mm-hmm. I, because I lose like my frame of reference of like okay, I'm chasing this thing that like I maybe <laughs> maybe this isn't here, or, like what am I doing? Yeah. I don't set up guitars at night anymore because I used to like stay up until way late and be like I have law, I have died in the sea of nothingness. Like what is, <laughs> what is happening? Um but but yes, the the main focus of the business in general from from custom shop level custom JMs to our Squire modifieds to send me your guitar is just like, I want to be able to take the experience of what I think is a great playing guitar and share that with people so that they can go, Oh, wow. That's what a great guitar plays. Like, cause like not everybody gets that experience. You know, you walk yeah. into again, like just a guitar having nice, strings on it is a novelty or being set up or in tune for that matter I mean most people's experience with playing guitars is walking into a place where it's not it's not even in tune
3: yeah that's the hard part I find about yeah. even trying out guitars that you're just like Old strings, you can feel like there's like a, there's something on that like yeah, you go to, G yeah. string on the 12th string. And you're like Jesus, what the fuck? What is happened that? Frets, frets yeah.
2: aren't polished; they're gritty, and you yeah. got crusty yeah. strings it, on there. And it's one of
3: those things like it's hard because it makes me feel like even more open because it may like oh, I don't like this guitar, but like if I set it up, maybe I could. And then like right. I feel like it's more dangerous because then that's right. like a. That's a big roll of the dice. So then is, it
2: just our, is our entire life a lie and we've loved every guitar we've played. We just hadn't spent enough time setting it up. It's our fault. That's what I have, you know, when you try to like, okay, there's a
3: couple guitars that I like. You can go to Guitar Center because I have like the new models and you're able to try out and you're like, like, I feel like I could make this a good guitar but then you have that kind of question. You're like, is it going to be good or is it just right. like going to sound like a little bit better than what it does now?
1: Right. Yeah, I mean, it's tough. Like, you just really have to that, that's what's easy bring string
2: cleaner I that's, what, yeah. that's I don't know. what's easy about me like
1: <laughs> focusing on one thing is like there's i've eliminated so many variables right like i don't have to think about that anymore it's like does this live up to basically at one point my vintage jazz master mm-hmm. it was like how do i take my 61 and share that with people right the experience that i had of like Nope, that guitar's mine, not going anywhere. And then, like, this is my main guitar. Cause I fully believe that everybody needs one great guitar, deserves one excellent playing instrument, and everything else is just, should be just for fun. Like, once you find the one great guitar, you can buy the airline that's new and $300, and it can play kind of like garbage because, like, that's kind of the point. You know, yeah. like, yeah. you get to explore other avenues because you're like, I've just, it's like getting married. You're like, this is it. I'm I'm settled on this this is what I do right Mm -hmm. and if I need to be creative like I have to think outside of this realm and it has to be something totally different Mm -hmm. um because I
0: already have this completely covered yeah it's funny I'm the opposite now because I started playing when again 14 15 like all of us and uh I played one guitar forever and didn't really get into it. I didn't know what a good playing guitar felt like until like two years ago yeah when uh when the podcast started and we started going around and testing all this stuff and I'm like wow like there's this stuff is there's better stuff in the world
2: yeah yeah. we entered
3: Christian into
2: we threw him right in the deep end yeah Yeah, because because he joined and we were like right away uh, me and Dylan have been collecting gear for
3: for so long because we just love the whole like kind of like what you're saying you build your own sound it's like okay yeah this and I feel like right now it's, like, the perfect time to be creative. So I feel like sometimes that marketing scheme of, like, oh, this is a 64 Strat, mm-hmm. sound exactly like this, so you get those tones that you want. But it's, like, that 64 Strat could sound really good in other avenues because it's supposed to be a really good guitar just in general. You know, and it's, like, how many fuzz pedals are there? How many d- digital delays? How many reverb delay combo pedals are there out there? It's, like, you feel like people would be more, in, like, be able to individualize themselves more, but... I guess everyone really gets well, caught same, up in the whole like oh, I want to sound like Clapton, yeah, and
1: then do yeah. yeah. my the own same, stuff. We're and using you're like, the Why? same reference point, you know. Yeah. Like, and again, like with the thing that I think about all the time is like we're not thinking about let's just take Clapton and a Strat. We're not thinking about Clapton and a Strat. We're thinking about the recording of Clapton playing a Strat. Mm-hmm. And there's True. so many other things in between that and what we hear and what we experience, right? Like, and so it just gets even more complicated. And, yeah. and that's why i just i just throw in the towel and go okay like i'm gonna probably end up playing the exact same couple of things for the rest of my life mm-hmm. but it's more about exploring the very very fine nuanced details of of those experiences than like chasing you the know was that jack white uses like i just don't i couldn't care any less yeah you know what was that
2: like awakening moment for me when i started like Okay, it doesn't matter what kind of guitar it is, if I like playing it or whatever. The the thing that convinced me was I grew up a huge Pink Floyd fan. And I was always like, I need a Strat because I need to be able to do David Gilmore things, right? Like, this is, I need this, I need this. And then... Way too late in life, I found out that Comfortably Numb was recorded with a gold top with P90s yeah, in dude. it. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me right now? <laughs> Everything's a lie. I'm like, my life is a lie. <laughs> yeah. None of this makes sense. None of this is worth it. What are we doing here?
1: I, yeah, I actually wrote a blog post about about that very same thing where people think that like uh, Sky Blue Sky is like the quintessential jazz master record for Nels Klein. And it's like, either way, it was recorded with the gold top. <laughs> I'm sorry, but it's just, again, we project what we want onto these things, you know, and they become what we think, you know, like, what we think we want from them. Yeah, and that's then,
3: true. Very true. You the know, we do that, too. I mean, it's like, oh... Like oh like you, you like we saw Marcus King recently like oh that tone's awesome and you're like wow that like three thirty five sings on the record and you're like that's he probably has like a Les Paul or some other yeah. guitar and you're like you don't really know but you or just he used four
2: guitars in in the same song the in same different mix. parts yeah. you know <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah but the thing the thing about making a record is that you have it's different than being than being obsessed with gear or thinking about these things in this capacity is like you have someone else generally in the room going. That one's not working. Try a different one. Yeah. You Try know. the champ. Try the, yeah, yeah, <laughs> Try the champ. exactly. The is always have, the champ. Have, yeah, yeah, exactly. You have an engineer going, this just doesn't fit with the rest of the thing. And I think that because guitar players are so focused on living up to the people that we idolize, we miss the point that we're supposed to be playing in a mix with other people yeah <laughs> yeah. it's not but, about us yeah. yeah, it's actually about the whole product <laughs> yeah, right? yeah like, it's yeah,
3: yeah. such a big thing yeah because you, you listen I just you just kind of going on YouTube you listen to some of these guys or these interviews like like you know of like this like Bob Rock and like how his mindset of recording and stuff and it's crazy to think you know he's like yeah you know you have this great live tone and you, you record and it is completely horrible like it just could be the most disgusting thing ever and yeah. you're like it sounds just like how it does on the album like with a live I'm like well yeah but it Microphones and the it doesn't work the same way. Soundboard that I have and the type of whatever filters I'm using, like it doesn't it changes everything.
1: Right, which becomes a problem for me in any genre. Whenever you create something that can't be experienced in person, like I get it, they they become separate entities, right? Mm -hmm. They become this is an amazing work of art. Like I'll use Billie Eilish for as an example, like that. That, that first record is amazing. It's incredible. It's incredible. It's an incredible piece of pop work. But like, can you really pull all of that off in a live setting? No, because you're this close to a microphone with tons of compression on, you know, like you have to use the studio at as such a tool that it becomes, that becomes what the art is. And that's interesting. So long as that's what you're trying to dissect, but mm-hmm. it's not interesting if you're trying to be a holistic picture of, of a recording artist.
2: Yeah. And I think, uh, there was an interview I watched with Jack White where he kind of alluded to that, where he was like, you know, these, this technology, all this stuff that you have access to that's so readily available. He's like, it could be the greatest tool in the world for the, the kid who can teach himself audio engineering and how to record in his bedroom and this and that. He's like, or it's like, you can go so far down the rabbit hole and it's just the bane of your existence, like trying to create what isn't there, you
1: know? Mm -hmm. But well, like I said, I like listening to high production records or I like lis- any, any record that I'm listening to, like, and this is how I've been since the, the border days when I'd go and scan CDs, like I scanned through a record, probably like three or four, maybe five listens. And I listen to different people or different things each time. Like I might mm-hmm. spend a whole time, like just listening to the drummer, like to the point where I could have completely tuned out, like what else is going on? until you get to like kind of scale out and then like listen to the whole thing. And then still, I mean, I, there are records that like I've listened to you know for 15 years and I'll I'll have it on really low and I'm like oh my god, there's a wurlitzer in the back. Like I never noticed that. Like <laughs> I've been listening to this record for forever. How did I miss this, you know? Like that's that's the cool part about making records and listening, mm-hmm. listening to music. Is there's just so much intentionally going on that's there that creates this whole entire
2: experience. Absolutely. Absolutely, And Christian, Christian got me hooked up on like that kind of stuff. You know, I got him hooked on guitar pedals and gear and he goes here, try, try my really fancy Sennheiser headphones. Oh my God, dude. Yeah. <laughs>
1: this is nuts. How about you listen? And yeah. I think that, I think that was the most important thing that I learned in, in during my tenure. It was like, it's just listening, mm-hmm. you know, There's
0: people that listen to music in their car on the way to work. And then there's the rest of us that buy really expensive headphones and sit in the corner and try and pick out every instrument. I
3: was just about to say, all this talk about music and people are like, oh... Here's a figurine, like you said, for Christmas. And yeah, like, yeah, yeah. There's yeah. levels, and they have different filters, yeah, 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 and, yeah. and there's different <laughs> you ends. You don't understand me. You clearly don't pickup. understand
1: me. And the electronic. <laughs> 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 I appreciate the effort, but you're alienating me, okay? Yeah. like You're you're kind of yeah. minimizing. This like, is embarrassing for all of yeah, us. Yeah. I just, yeah, really I just
3: like how it's like this <laughs> special club, if you like start getting a guitar, like drums, because I'm sure drums has got their own, like, how you tune it, and, like, what, you know, textures on here, and the type of wood, and how, yeah. whatever. I feel um,
2: like this has become more of like a therapy session of all just being like we're all misunderstood this nobody this gets is, us this is what <laughs> yeah. I do bro this, this is, is what I do therapy <laughs> I'm here for it
1: I'm here for you all okay you can call me anytime I'm I'm, I'm most of the time I'm I'm completely alone in my apartment so yeah, let <laughs> I me mean, just someone please call me please just some We're going to send the
0: link to this podcast to so everyone that's hurt
2: us in the past yeah yeah
1: musically <laughs> Don't send a figurine. But around
2: the hour 20 mark, it gets real.
1: (laughs) (laughs) One guy cries. I'm not going to tell you which one. Tune in this week to find out.
3: Yeah, Yeah, Instagram real posts for advertising.
1: Yeah, well, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know where we go from there. What haven't I answered about a jazzmaster? Do you want to buy one? Are you are you? Are yeah, you, Christian. Are so, you how, how all right. So we've reached
2: the end of the interview. Christian, are you buying a jazzmaster? I don't feel like
1: I've sold you much. You know what? Hold you... on. Can
2: we plug that one in and, and get a little bit well, of a nah, sale?
1: I, just, I want I want pre I <laughs> yeah, need pre sonic. I mean, I can tell you more if you need. Like for those who are on the fence, like you're, you know, where are you sitting right now?
0: Right now, you sold me about ten minutes ago. All right, and yeah. and it's it's the enthusiasm you have behind this. Guitar,
1: yeah, I think that that's what always was the was the home run for me is that I really believe that it's awesome.
0: No one talks yeah. about a strat the same way you talk about <laughs> yeah. a jazzmaster. Yeah.
1: yeah, I really, I really believe it's awesome. And again, like I don't, I make fun of strat sometimes publicly. I, I just, I don't care what avenue you get there. It's just that for me, it was the it was walking into this new room that was like, I really don't know where I'm going and I and I think that um what I've been able to pull out of that is just it's so important to me and it's it's scaled out like my perception of what creativity is and what being a musician is and what what being a guitar player is and being in bands and, and and making stuff it's just like I know, when you're in your 20s and you're just like slugging it out in a band, you're like, if this doesn't hit by the time I'm 30, like this is gonna look pretty tired, you know? Yeah. Um, and I had the privilege of having conversations with some really important people to me that just made me realize, like, like this is a lifelong journey. You know, this is a whole this is a whole lifetime. It doesn't it doesn't matter what level you're doing it at. Even if you're at the highest level, there's still people that that those people are like, yeah, but I'm not that guy. Mm-hmm. They're not impervious to it. Like it. It happens to all of us. Um, so to find a tool that you like, you just can rely on and you feel like you can seamlessly express yourself. Like I think that's the goal of a great guitar.
0: I, I think that's one of the biggest parts you got me on was the creativity because I look at my Strat, I'm like, oh, I want to learn some Jimi Hendrix. I look at my casino. I want to play some blues rock. I look at the Jazzmaster, I'm like, I have no idea what I want to play. You don't You don't know what the guitar I, holds for I you. I don't know what's yeah. going to come out.
1: Yeah, and it's just wacky enough, but it's not like a uh, guild, you know, it's, it doesn't have like 17 pickups and 65 switches, you know. A <laughs>
3: semi-conductor switch with yeah, yeah. 10 presets.
1: It is It is wild, but it, it all <laughs> has a function and, and makes sense. And when, you know, I, I feel fortunate to, I I just... I get to work with the highest caliber of of products on the market, and put them in one package, and then and then somehow like people want to give me credit for it, but really at the end of the day, it's like I mean mastery bridges and vibratos are like are just they are they are top notch. Like Lawler pickups are top notch. Like I picked all of the best things because they're the right things to be on there, and it makes the instrument so much better than anything else that's available. And if you were to buy a new Fender and put all of these parts on Like a new American made fender and, and put all these parts on there We're in the exact same price bracket As just buying one of these And you can pick it in any color that you want So it all just like kind of fits in this perfect Perfect space um, That I am really proud of um, But I really just get to take Kind of public credit for All of these great things That just culminate into one space I just was the guy that was like Let's put all these things together not that other people aren't doing that, but
0: but you're making it easier for someone else. I just I
1: just wanted someone because I because my first experience of buying a jazz master, someone's like, yeah, but you got to put a mastery and you got to do this and you got to do that, and I was like, that's a bummer. I <laughs> want one that just goes. Yeah. You know, like I don't want to think about. I don't want to go on forums where people have a lot of opinions and no experience. I like I want someone to say this is the way you do it, and so that's like kind of what I'm trying to do is saying like, yes, this has innate flaws, but here, like this mm-hmm. is the way, this is the way that I think it should be done. There's other opinions out there, but really it's just my whole vision for the business in general is very similar to this. It's like, I am the center of this spoke. That's just like bringing all these other small businesses together to say like, this is awesome shit. Like people ask me all the time, like, do you like your pickups? I'm like, I wouldn't sell them if I didn't. You know? No, I just put them in every guitar. <laughs> but, but, that's, yeah. but that's what's so crazy is, like, people's, like, think about that. What I'm trying to curate top-down business-wise is a place where you go, everything that's in stock, that guy likes. You know? That's not anyone else's business model. They, go, they carry everything. Right? So if it's on the website, you don't have to ask me, is this good? Because I've already they're they're my friends.
0: It's on the website, of course. I I went through the
1: trouble of making a pink version because I like it. You know, like you can feel confident that I believe in this because it's on the website, you know? And and that that to me is what what this guitar is, that to me is what the super squires are, that to me is what any makeover kit is going anywhere in the world to anybody. Like I hope that you get all this stuff in and you go, oh. Cool. This is what I hoped this would be, you know, um, and this all—all all this stuff lives up to the hype, um, because again, like, I don't want to sell stuff I don't believe in. Please stop beeping at me. I'm—I know I've been talking a lot. That was
2: such I a like heart-filled part to where we could have just ended it right there on such a good note, and then
1: I can say it again. You can edit it again. I just—I just want you to believe in me.
2: That was beautiful. No outro. Just just, just right there. (laughs) That's it. That's (laughs) the end of the podcast.
0: The most serious note we've done. Yeah.
2: That was that was that got heavy. Like I said, we got real heavy around the the hour twenty mark there. But
1: you're right. I'm a heavy guy, man. I love it. I love getting
3: intellectual about music. I'm an unknown heavy guy. You know.
1: So who's
2: gonna cry
0: now?
1: Mike. Pete. This is when we bring Pete. Pete's Pete's gonna cry. Pete, I love you. I am sorry for your tears. Pete. Is that, that Pete's
2: shout-out? Yeah, Pete he was crying at this point because he didn't get his shout-out, and now he got it. Uh, you know what?
3: He's got to earn his shout-out. He's got to listen all the way to the yeah. end. <laughs> yeah, good point. He's got to listen all the way to I the end. I love Pete with my
1: whole heart. I really do. I'm so grateful for him.
0: For those of you that don't know at home, Pete uh, set this meet up. We forgot to explain that part. That's
1: okay. No no one has made it this long. (laughs) Except for my grandmother. Yeah. My My mom's listening still. Hi, mom. And all Uh, the people (laughs)
0: that sent us figurines. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I guess we know what we're not getting for Christmas.
0: Yes. It's too late. They already bought them. Christmas is next week.
1: Oh, I guess I'm supposed to return this guitar tie bar that I bought you.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Anyway, Black Bobbin, where can people find you how do we spread the gospel of the jazz master yeah. to the public?
1: Um, on the internet at blackbobbin.com or on the Instagram at blackbobbinchicago. Um, I am mostly online base, pretty much primarily, but I do setups as well. And people send guitars to me um, from all over the country to have work done. And I love doing it. So if you're thinking about, diving into this world and um not sure that your local tech knows how to install a mastery bridge properly which is plausible then send it to chicago and it can hang out in my house for a week and i'll keep it away from kid spills and i'll put a mastery on it and i'll send it back to you (laughs)
0: do you ever get guitars that people try to do it themselves
2: and please f- please fix this.
1: Uh, <laughs> <laughs>
3: Desperation
2: email. No. I bought a wish.com mastery and it's not working. Please the guitar oh, no. comes in a box this big. You're like, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> nothing <laughs> adds up here. <laughs>
1: no, nothing, nothing like that. Just my, my word to, to anyone out there who's still listening is a word of just kindness to people who work on instruments. Just every once in a while, clean your fretboard. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I ask. Oh, that's the God. hardest part. Sometimes I show them to my wife and she goes, Wow. That's gross. That's gross. Yeah.
2: And yeah. on that note, that's the perfect spot to end. Yeah, just just yeah. clean your fretboard. That's yeah. all I ask. It's like a please fretboard. be please be kind rewind thing. Yeah. Just, just clean, just clean your, your fretboard. Tip your
1: bartenders. Clean, clean, your, clean, fretboard. Yeah, clean your
2: fretboard. Go to blackbobbin.com. <laughs> give them all your money. Yeah. yeah. There I I we go. It. All of it. Dylan says that about every guest. So
0: I don't know if our listeners have any But this one is different
2: because I'm in in the. Look how Luke, much he's yeah. smiling.
1: He means it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I'm You super can't happy. see his smile, but I can.
2: Because he's eyeing his
3: jazz master right next yeah, to him. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> We got to go
1: talk business. Yeah. All right.
2: <laughs> Congratulations. Everyone who just... If you made it this far, you're officially in the
1: jazz master If you made cult. it this far, send me a message, and I will send you a present. Like a free bag of coffee. If, you, if you've made it an hour and a half into this podcast, I will send you one free bag of coffee. I mean that.
0: This is a bad time to tell you. We have a few
2: thousand monthly listeners. That's
1: okay. You got to live in the United States or you can pay shipping. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Either way, if you're listening, get your coffee, get a Jazz Master. I will gladly do that. Go to Black Bobbin. Yeah. 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 Thanks for listening.